and welcome everybody to episode 71 of the Progression to the Podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Keegan Thompson and Aiden Holler. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Sean. Doing pretty good today. No complaints. Having a light work week as I exit out out of one job and get ready for my next, so... I'm kind of chill in this week. We just did our first dynasty draft yesterday too, so I've got my first actual season draft in the books. It's August first. The Jets play this week. I'm kind of humming right now, Keegan. I'm still riding that draft high from last night. I'm not gonna lie. When I when I clicked the draft button on Bijan yesterday, like a part of my soul just like left my body. It was it was <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. I've been imagining it for months, but like. He's actually on my roster, just slotting them in there next to Tony P. It's, wow, I'm fired up. It's really happening. It's August 1st. Football's here. First draft in the books. We're rolling. Love that. That energy is fantastic. Yesterday, uh, Hannah and I bought a car, and I drafted Anthony Richardson. So buying a car was the second most important thing I did yesterday. I was able to bring a rich home. Tell the listeners where you drafted Anthony Richardson. Surely you were home by then, uh, right? Like you weren't in the dealership? I was in the dealership signing paperwork. <laughs> I actually had to go on auto. I'm getting text messages from Keegan being like, come on, brother. And I'm like, look, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm literally signing the paperwork. I, I'm like, my hands are like, I literally hate being the guy, but I'm, this is just where I'm at right now. And they're like, Sean, who do you want? And I'm like furiously typing Jalen Hyatt. And it's like, hey, you got Rishi Rice. And I was like... <laughs> The proud Not owner ideal, of a Mazda CX-9 and Rishi Rice Rishi in the second Rice, round. But, I mean, I guess I have Patrick Mahomes, so it's fine. I'll take it. It is what it is. <laughs> but uh, I thought I was going to bring home Richardson, Addison, and Hyatt. But you know, what are you going to do here? But it was, fun to get a, it was fun to get a <laughs> dynasty draft in. Yeah, Mazda, that's a great. Co- you know, they're number one. The salesman kept saying they're number one. Salesmen never lie. Definitely. Um, very excited though big moves big moves august 1st it feels like a holiday it's all of our friends that are casuals are now listening to our episodes asking us questions about who we should be drafting it feels like christmas like it's around the corner i feel like we're hanging up the advent calendar but instead of christmas we get uh scott hansen for seven hours scott hansen and santa claus are basically one and the same one and the same i mean I they're, they're scott important. had a bigger impact in my life than santa yeah claus, in, in my so, life for yeah. sure i mean that that is definitely certain. So if you haven't had a chance to take a look at some of the previous episodes we just released, we dropped the training camp headline, Factor Bullshit. Great episode. We've also covered running backs and quarterbacks, given our tiers, flag plants, and fades. On today's episode, our favorite position, wide receivers, we are beyond excited to go through our tiers, flag plants, and fades. Before that, though, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best ball on underdog fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football. Just draft your team and that's it. No waivers, trades, or weekly start sit decisions. Underdog will automatically play your best players at each position every week. Sign up today with promo code RTM to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. You can sign up for as little as $10 to start drafting today. It is the best way. Best way. To get prepped for redraft, in my opinion, fellas. Those uh, mock drafts don't hit the same when you don't have a little money in the game. I'll tell you that. Wide receivers. I've gone ahead and I've made my tiers. 
there have been some some questions here from the group, and I don't know if I'm going to stand trial, but I'm going to go through my wide receiver tiers, <laughs> and I'm going to get feedback from, from two of the smartest people I know. So I'm going to get their thoughts on it. I'm going to ask them some questions. I'm curious to know where the biggest gripes may lay, and uh, I'm juiced. We're talking about the best position. I'm so excited. So we'll start things off here with tier one. These are the elite of the elite guys, game-breaking wide receivers week in and week out. In Tier 1, we have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill. In Tier 2, we have our surefire wide receiver ones in Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And in Tier 3, we have our young studs in CeeDee Lamb and Garrett Wilson. So, fellas... Those are the first three tiers. I know I've got a couple surprises there, especially in tier two. What are your thoughts here? I think everything makes sense for the first tier for sure. Jefferson, Chase, Cup, Tyreek Hill, kind of like set it, forget it, draft him. Don't think twice about it. Tier two, I, I would argue Stephon Diggs could also be in that realm um, for tier one. And maybe Devonta Adams. I think Devonta Adams takes a big hit because of Jimmy G. And to say that Derek Carr and Jimmy G are a big difference feels weird, but they are, I think, <laughs> to a certain extent. So I understand Devontae Adams being knocked down a tier, but I could have Stephon Diggs in tier one. That's maybe one that I could probably move up a little bit just for me personally. He's been yeah. in that tier for two, three years now. <laughs> I would say the biggest thing that stands out to me would be putting Amon Ross St. Brown in that surefire wide receiver one category and CD Lamb in your tier three kind of up and comer. Um, CD's got a year more under his belt. Uh, (laughs) I butchered the name. I butchered the name. I think that tier is probably better as top stud option. And I think a run first offense or slower paced offense. Okay. That's what I have that tier. I young and up and coming. That was just a flub. I goofed. That's just a goof on my end, but I think it's more of stud wide receiver, but they're playing in an offense that I think is going to be slower and run first. So okay. that's where I landed with those two together in their own tier. Yeah, that's fair. Because what CD's coming off, I think it was what, wide receiver five or six last year. So I'm pretty high on him. I'd expect a pretty similar output. So that was kind of the main thing that caught my eye. But your tier one's perfect. Like those are the top four wide receivers, without a doubt. You could make a case for some of the guys below them, but it'd be tricky. It would it would definitely be tricky. I think something too that's interesting about tier one. Tier one, the four first four guys are all going in the first round. Normally, they would have gone in the back end of the first round. Now that wide receivers are becoming so emphasized in fantasy football, they're going near the top. Are there any in that top four that you think could burn fantasy managers next season out of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, and Cooper Cup? So if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Tyreek Hill. Um, okay. I know you guys have been seeing the buzz, too. It's It hasn't been the same Tyreek in training camp. There's been some drops. It's just not the same explosiveness. And who knows? He's not that old. I think he's, you know, just shy of 30 these days. But I don't know. The reports aren't exactly what you want to hear out of him. Um, with the type of draft capital, you're going to have to cough up for him. We've been seeing Jefferson highlights. We've been seeing Chase highlights. Cooper Cup looks great. But it's kind of been some mixed reviews to go with his off-the-field antics. So I'd say out of the four, I would for sure pick Tyreek. It just feels like you want to be hearing more glowing reviews from a guy you're probably going to be drafting in the top, you know, six to ten spots in your draft this year are you afraid of any of these guys at adp keegan um the only one i'm i'm 
really, really afraid of uh, is probably Cooper Cup, and it's only because yeah. I don't know what Matthew Stafford is. Like, I don't know if he's like fully over the hill. Is he all right? Cooper Cup is, I think, a surefire wide receiver one. Like when his quarterback is healthy, his quarterback doesn't even have to be anything special. But you know, the drop from Stafford to Stetson Bennett is dramatic. It is really, really bad. Like if Stafford is, you know, more injured than we're led to believe, and he's got to go into the season and he doesn't play well, and then it's Stetson Bennett thrown to Cooper Cup. We're talking about a whole different ball game. In 25 games with Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup has averaged 25 PPR points per game. In 55 games without Matthew Stafford, he has averaged 14 fantasy PPR <laughs> points per game. Holy cow. So a lot has changed, yeah, right? He competed with Robert Woods. He was a rookie in a lot of that, so there's noise to that sample. But that's something to keep in mind of how impactful Matthew Stafford has been on Cooper Cup. I think all four of these guys are great. I think Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are relatively bulletproof because of age, QB situation, offensive environment, two of the best picks in all of fantasy. Again, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, all alphas every sense of the word. Relative question marks, whether it be QB play, competition. I have Amon Ross St. Brown in there because I think he deserves to be in there, and we'll talk a little bit more about Amon Ross St. Brown later. And again, I love C.D. Lamb. However, we are seeing an impact of Kellen Moore in his pass rate over expectation and number one in neutral pace, and he's bringing that to the Chargers. And I think we just see a decrease in the amount of plays the Cowboys run, which means we'll have to see an increase in efficiency. But with Brandon Cooks and a healthy Michael Gallup in the lineup, I think we might have just seen CeeDee Lamb's ceiling. That is a talent I love. I have him in dynasty teams. I love CeeDee Lamb. This is not a fade by any means, but this is just the guys I would draft in front of him currently right now. In the next tiers, I have tier four, Chris Olave, Jalen Waddell, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley. These are just either ones and twos, just absolute studs. Guys that I don't know if I'd love to be my wide receiver one, but if you went receiver, receiver, and they're wide receiver two, you are cooking with gas. In tier five, I have T. Higgins and Devontae Smith. In tier six, I have Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Hopkins. I will stop there. We have a lot of veterans. We have some wide receiver twos. We have some absolute alphas. Looking at tiers four, five, and six, anything standing out to you guys? I think Jalen Waddle being in tier four is, for me, the biggest thing that stands out. I think Waddle deserves to be up near CD, Garrett Wilson, and I'd actually probably take Amon Ra and put Amon Ra in the CD Garrett Wilson category and add Waddle there as well. Waddle is not just a second option in his offense. Like he is a true elite wide receiver talent that has like capabilities. Like he already has a wide receiver one fantasy wise finish in his belt in that same offensive scheme. So I think Waddle definitely deserves to be in that tier. Um, Olave, DK. Um, DK is a tough one for me. I'd like to put DK, I think, in like a tier three of wide receivers, but I can understand him being here. And then Calvin is kind of the big head scratcher there for me because it's like, I don't really know how to project that. But I think me personally, I, I view Higgins, Devonta Smith, um, Olave, maybe even together in the same vein as well too. So tier four and five for me are a little bit meshed where I would put those guys together and then I would take Jalen Waddle out and put him up a tier. Yeah, I think you nailed that, Keegan. You mentioned Olave too. I'd probably put him up there with Garrett Wilson personally. You could argue he was as good or better. And is stepping into an improved situation this year with Derek Carr, um, especially with his deep ball ability. So 
I personally see Chris Olave is right next to uh, Garrett Wilson. I'd say Wilson has the better situation with Aaron Rodgers. But in terms of production, if Chris Olave outproduced Garrett Wilson this year, I don't think it'd be the craziest of outcomes at all. So you have Chris Olave in Tier 3 with CeeDee Lamb and Garrett Wilson. And Keegan, you have Tier 3 expanding to include Jalen Waddell, Amon Ross St. Brown with CeeDee Lamb and Garrett Wilson, correct? That's that's where correct. you guys are landing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love you guys, um, but no. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I, I will say this. Jalen Waddell, exceptional player. I did not draft him last season. It wasn't necessarily a fade. I just had question marks with his quad injury and being the number two in that offense with Tua. Uh, he absolutely cashed because he truly is one of the more special talents in the NFL in terms of when he gets the ball and puts his head down. Does he have the best acceleration in the entire NFL? Because it is truly some special stuff. However, with with Waddle, he was super efficient last year, like hyper, hyper efficient. I think he had the most yards per completion of any wide receiver in the NFL. He hit home with a lot of big plays. Like having a lot of touchdowns on deep shot plays is hard to project year over year. So I'm not trying to fade Jalen Waddle by any means, and I think he is a clear-cut great option. I just don't know if we're going to put him in the same tier as someone who's going to get 30% of his of his tar- team targets. Like that kind of volume is hard to find in fantasy, and he does not have that. We didn't really cover the old guys. You guys wanted to talk about the sexy names. Um, Calvin Ridley, I will die on the Calvin Ridley Hill. <laughs> um, we've talked about it. His ADP is soaring. We've talked about how much we love Trevor Lawrence. I love Calvin Ridley. It is a projection. It is risky, but I think healthy Calvin Ridley belongs in that tier, and I think he will prove it out. But fading him at that cost, I understand it. The wide receivers, twos on their respective teams in Tier 5, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith. I mean, I think Devontae Smith is one of the best wide receiver talents in the NFL. While we were looking at his reception perception with Matt Harmon, and it was a whole lot of green, fellas. A whole lot of green. In his sampled routes... He had a 82nd percent success rate, 82nd percentile success rate against man, a 77th percentile success rate against zone, and an 87th percentile success rate against press man. Uh, some of the other receivers that have been in the 78% territory in their first two years include A.J. Green, Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett, Des Bryant, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. I think Devontae Smith is closer to A.J. Brown than a lot of people would like to admit and why I have some questions about A.J. Brown year over year. But Devontae Smith is such an alpha. So I think it's interesting that no one talks about him and lumps him in with the T. Higgins conversation, but I think he's a lot better than T. Higgins. And then the last tier here is just the old guys, uh, Cooper, Samuel, Allen, and Hopkins. Debo isn't old, but these are veterans, right, with question marks. Is this just a 100% fade? Like, just don't draft wide receivers from this tier? Or is somebody from tier six speaking your language? Yeah, we're not going to spoil anything. I won't spoil anything, at least. There, there's a chance that my fade uh, happens to exist in this in this tier you mentioned. Not me too. But, yeah, I think you could make a pretty strong argument for all these guys, given their age or their situation, um, kind of mainly being their age. So it's like, I'll be drafting these guys with caution. Um, I've been drafting plenty of them in best ball, with the exception of Hopkins, as his offseason was a bit a bit murky. But I still like these guys. If I had to pick one that I probably like the most here, it'd be Keenan, just given the offense that we're expecting for the Chargers this year. I think he finished the year pretty much as strong as he's ever played in his career. It's 
again, the age is just lurking. It just feels like the boogeyman just waiting behind you with Keenan Allen. But he's you're eleven. He's, Herb- you're he's 11. Herbert's favorite target. He's going to be a target hog again. Gets great separation. Like he's not going to have these massive boom games, but it just feels like he consistently falls into five or ten catches a week, somewhere between sixty, eighty, ninety yards. And like, I'm cool with that. If you're not a very risky drafter, like Keenan Allen is your guy. If you want more upside, that's probably not your guy. Honestly, I'm. I don't know if I would fade Debo totally in this range just because of the uncertainty at the 49ers quarterback position. Um, I think that actually bodes well for Debo's success this year. Um, believe it or not, we've actually went and talked about at length how the quarterback situation could affect certain outcomes for the skill positions and the 49ers team. And with a more murky quarterback situation, maybe we do get back to more leaning on Debo with kind of his expanded role, getting into rounds, like running the ball, like being a pass catcher. I think he's actually somebody who has the most upside in this range of old guys or our tier to fade. I don't really have a problem drafting Cooper either. I feel like that kind of is a smart, uh, like safe play in this tier, especially because I think the majority of us are kind of all in on redacted's come back and the um, just bounce back of the Browns in general and their offense. If, if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably want to stay away from Hopkins in this range. Um, but I think these are all pretty safe guys to play with um, in your drafts. They all have relatively safe floors, I think, and Debo actually has some sneaky good upside. I would say out of this tier, Debo has the highest ceiling, but this is generally an area I like to take quarterbacks in in this tier six range. It's going in like rounds four and five and I really like the quarterbacks in that range so I don't find myself taking a lot of tier six but I don't yeah this, I think this you're is right like the, I think the old yeah Jackson Burrow yeah, range Burrow. of tier yeah of players so and you just don't have the same upside this is like really where we've stressed the quarterbacks that like we've really liked those quarterbacks four to eight four to nine is kind of our bread and butter here tier seven eight and nine so i've got dj moore jerry judy terry mclaurin drake london that's in tier seven that's the wide receiver ones with question marks in their offense all very talented but we don't know about quarterback pace all different questions we have to sort through tier eight i have brandon Ayuk, mike williams and christian kirks that's your number two studs and good offenses and then in tier nine, it's it's more wide receiver ones with question marks. Christian Watson, Michael Pittman, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, and Deontay Johnson. So looking at tier seven, eight, and nine, really big upside swings, but kind of a muddled mess. I think if you're looking at these three tiers, is there one tier in particular that stands out to you that in terms of you want to target? Is there one player that really is is speaking to you here on the board. I know there's one for Aiden that's speaking to him. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, I'd say I'll I'll answer both of those questions. I'd say as a whole, my favorite tier here would be tier eight. Um, love Iuke. Uh, tier eight. Williams. Love Iuke. I'm lukewarm on Mike Williams, and I love Christian Kirk. So I'd say top to bottom, this is my favorite tier in terms of best value overall from these tiers. I'm a huge Chris Godwin guy. Um, he continues to be of great value, in my opinion. He only got better as the year went on as he recovered from that torn ACL. And with the QB play that we're expecting in Baker and or potentially Kyle Trask, I think there's going to be a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of quick hitters, and he's going to be able to continue to kind of eat and do what he does best. So 
I don't know. I'm pretty worried about Mike Evans this year, again, for that same reason um, with the QB play. But Chris Godwin is not going to cost you a whole lot and for sure has top 20 wide receiver potential this year. I'm kind of into tier seven, honestly. Like, stud guys, interesting quarterback situations. This is DJ Moore, Jared Judy, Terry McLaurin, uh, Drake London. Because although they're, you know, Quarterback situations are interesting. I would say that for four, all four of these guys, this is probably the best, most stable quarterback situation that they have had yet in their playing career. I think Justin Fields definitely takes a leap as a passer and that unlocks some more of what DJ Moore can do. You know, another part about two of these guys, DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin, is they're proven performers in shitty situations already. So now we're, 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 it's true, right? Like, you know, it's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're seven. This is the, get me a quarterback tier. Yes. Please. I'm begging you. Get me a quarterback. Somebody call an ambulance, but not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I, I really like this tier. I think there's, um, I think Terry with Sam Howell is very interesting this year. Um, I think Drake London is just going to dominate his team's target shares as like this sure fire alpha from their team as a pass catcher. And DJ Moore is DJ Moore. I mean, we know what a stud he is. So I'm excited for this tier. Um, Jerry Judy, bounce back. Russell Wilson year. He could be a pretty big bounce back candidate in the fantasy space. He also ended the year pretty strongly last year. These are the guys you get really excited to draft because you watch their highlights and they're really good. And then, like, by week eight, you're like, why did I draft Drake London? Desmond <laughs> fucking Ritter is his quarterback. This I knew- cannot get him the ball. This is the These, these are the tiers where it's like, somebody is going to hurt me here. Like, tier seven is the I'm going to get hurt again tier. DJ Moore, Jerry, Judy, Terry McLaurin, Drake London. Tier eight is Brandon Ayuk, Mike Williams, Christian Kirk. It's like second option, but our quarterbacks are good. And then tier nine is just, it's just pure upside. Watson, Pittman, Godwin, Brown. Johnson I, I don't know I, I all of these guys like Marquise Brown if you told me next season Marquise Brown was a top eight wide receiver in fantasy I would not be shocked if you told me he didn't even crack the top 40 wouldn't be shocked either like that range of outcomes is so wide for a lot of these guys same with Christian Watson same with Michael Pittman all really talented guys but in really questionable situations where we don't know if the floor is there uh, tiers 10 11 12 and 13 i'll rip these off in succession tier 10 might be one of the weirdest assortment of players i've i've had grouped together i have mike evans and tyler lockett two guys that are like like borderline hall of famers i think mike evans has a better case than lockett and then i have jsn jackson smith and jigma and jordan addison so two rookies and two vets in tier 10 tier 11 i have gabe davis Jahan dotson george pickens more Wide receiver twos in their offense with less stable offenses or situations. Tier 12 is the I don't know what to do here tier, but I have Traylon Burks, Quentin Johnston, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Zay Flowers, and Sky Moore. And then tier 13 is the I I, I don't even want to draft these guys, even if there's a fire. Uh, Rashad Bateman, Michael Thomas, and Cortland Sutton. So looking at tiers 10, 11, 12, and 13, What's speaking your language here? Do you do you think that I have these guys grouped together appropriately? I kind of I might need help sussing this out and uh, making it a little bit clearer. Give me your thoughts on Man. those four tiers and where they land for you. Give me Traylon Burks and Quentin Johnson in tier ten immediately. Honestly, like Traylon Burks is probably going to benefit more from the Hopkins signing than it will hurt him. 
I actually think it opens up a lot for him. This is a guy who was going to dominate his role wow. in Tennessee, and their whole offense gets a boost. So move Burks up right next to Lockett and Evans. I think same range of outcomes for them as well, too. And like I think JSN, Jordan Addison, and Quentin Johnson all have similar kind of offensive environments where they're going to be very pass-heavy. They're going to have reliable quarterbacks, quarterbacks that throw very catchable balls that are accurate. Um, there's going to be kind of like high flying, fast paced offenses for all three of them. So I think just by environment alone and like kind of their prospect profiles with roles in the offenses, you could argue that they all deserve to be in the same tier. And I think they'll all have very similar seasons with maybe like Addison getting um, a nod there because he will have a little bit more volume as like the wide receiver two in probably the most pass heavy offense. Tier 11 makes sense. Gabe Davis, John Dodson, George Pickens. We have knocked Gabe Davis down like as a fantasy community so much after one down season that I've gone from like pure Gabe Davis hater to I might have to start drafting Gabe Davis because this is like a true discount. I mean, we're a year away from or a year removed from drafting him at like a three, four turn as a wide receiver. And now we're going to take him in the 10th, ninth round in a redraft. I mean, that, that's a that's a pretty good discount. Um, but the rest of these guys, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Zay Flowers, Sky Moore, um, I could definitely see all them together. You could almost take Traylon Burks. This is what I would do. I would take Burks and Johnson, put them in Tier 10, and then take Tier 11 and just mesh it with the rest of Tier 12 that's left over after I get those two out. And I think Tier 11 could read something like Gabe Davis, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Zay Flowers, Sky Moore. Aiden, he just didn't, just did an incredible interior decorating job there. I mean, the guy... I gave him uh, he gave him an assignment and he crushed it. What do yeah. you think? You put Traylon Burks in the same tier as Tyler Lockett and Mike Evans. Like that I I we love Traylon here on this pod, but what do you think about that? Well, first of all, I think I'm I'm putting all four rookies together. I think the range okay. of outcomes are all pretty similar. So I think like the first reconstruction that I'm doing is the four rookies are going together. Uh, okay. Traylon Burks, I'm moving up with some of these like second year play like I'm not moving them all the way up to, with like Tyler Lockett and Mike Evans. That just feels like disrespectful to them, um, given what both tiers have accomplished in their careers. So yeah, I'm probably putting the rookies together, sliding up Burks, sliding up Cooks, sliding up Elijah Moore and Sky Moore, and pretty much just making this into two tiers. So I've got like my rookie tiers, and then the rest of the people that I've gutted from tier 12, I'm moving up into tier 11. Um, okay. But I think you nailed okay. this pretty good. And then tier 13 is hilarious because I'm just, I'm not drafting them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drafting them. I'm still trying to figure out how to get out of Corbin Sutton in our dynasty league. And it just feels like it's just like sunken costs. Watch He's him go off. Anyway. Watch him go off. Like, watch be Sutton hope. be good. He had 14 red zone targets last year. Like, watch him actually be I good know. for fantasy. He's I not just, bad. I think we've uh, all just convinced ourselves that he is really bad. Um, because of like just how awful everything looked last year. But no, I think these are a pretty fair way to kind of round up um, like the desirable wide receivers and who kind of meshes well with who in terms of their tiers. Water gun to your head. How many games does Michael Thomas play this season? I'll give him nine. Wow. Which feels generous. Which feels generous. Give me give me 14 or more this year. Bounce no. Back. Bounce Please. back for Michael Thomas. 
Wow, I mean, Alave goes down to like tier. I think people like are six. If, dude, if, Thomas if Michael plays Thomas plays games. fourteen games or like plays a full healthy season, like under that assumption, I think people are way too high on Alave. Like, I, I think putting Alave and Garrett Wilson next to each other makes no sense, especially if Thomas is healthy. Like, people are just did assuming. Did you watch them last year? Did you did you watch who wasn't playing next to Alave? Michael Thomas was not playing. But Olave's just better at this point in their career. Olave like, was better last year. Than Michael it's not Thomas about that. It's not well. about that, but there's no target competition if Michael Thomas isn't on the field. If Michael Thomas is on the field, you have Foster Moreau, you have Juwan Johnson, you have two running backs, maybe a third by committee you're running, you have Derek Carr, and you have Thomas and Rashid Shaheed. Like, it's not just the Olave show this year. I think you guys, people are projecting Olave to have like 30% target share and like assume a, most of this team's receiving work and I think it would be malpractice to not consider the other possible range of outcomes, which is that Michael Thomas plays almost a full season. There are two tight ends who are very active. They have a balanced rushing attack. I mean, you're just assuming that Michael Thomas isn't going to play. And you're projecting that well, onto Chris Olave's success. You have to meet in the middle somewhere to project Olave. And I feel like people are not doing that in the projection. Well, to play devil's advocate, then we're just doing the exact same with Garrett Wilson. There's other target share, too. They've got plenty of talented running backs. They've got tight ends. Like, I think bottom point is like Chris Olave is a much better wide receiver in 2023 than Michael Thomas. So I think to put him up there is like is extremely fair. Like Michael Thomas is so far removed from his historic season. It's like he's almost 30. He's probably 30 years old, huh? I think people do Dude. make that into Garrett Wilson's though. Like we're if you're looking at redraft, it's not like sure underdog. He's getting drafted like at that turn, and I think that he's, price he's is pretty 30. high. But we've talked about that. That's like that's price really high and redraft it's differently like i think people are factoring that in but i mean you could also go back and look at like devonta adams seasons with aaron Rodgers, and like when he was still playing with lazard as well too it's like garrett wilson has an insane range of outcomes Derek carr does not equal aaron Rodgers either so oh, what about devonta adams and Derek carr but look at who was Very on the team last year <laughs> look at who was it's the same situation you're ignoring that it's just a one funnel offense like going to one player which is what Olave basically was last year for the saints like you're you're assuming it's going to be the same it's going to be a much more balanced attack this year is why i don't think i think it's ridiculous in circles Olave i don't agree like that i mean in circles but i do not agree i do not agree <laughs> Olave Olave had a 2.5 yards per route run last year like that's insane he was so ridiculously good he had such an incredibly efficient season. Um, I think the biggest knock on this is that we don't know how pass-heavy this team is. It could be one of the slowest teams in the NFL. They could be one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL. We have no idea how they're going to deploy Derek Carr. I think overall Derek Carr is a great addition with Chris Olave. But if Michael Thomas does play 14 games, to Keen's point, yes, that does affect Chris Olave's projection 100%. However, I don't think Michael Thomas is going to play more than five. I, I, I would be shocked if he played more than five games. I could be wrong, but every single piece of evidence over the past three seasons would indicate that he is not going to play that many games this season. And maybe we get a major bounce back. Who knows? But I'm going to, I'm going to let this be because this we're, we're throwing out Garrett Wilson yeah. here. This is getting intense. We don't need – It's time to transition. Guy. We're yeah, in too yeah. deep I, on I, on Michael Wilson or on Michael Thomas. Chatter. <laughs> Michael Thomas. <laughs> oh. We are gonna be doing more deep sleepers. 
We did a wide receiver episode and didn't talk about Rondale Moore, so I'm already not feeling really great about how this all went down. But um, we will talk more about deep sleepers in later rounds. But these are the guys you're going to want to target and build your draft strategy around. Transitioning to our flag plants. These are the guys that we are drafting no matter what. You are on the clock. Their name is you are smashing the draft button with zero hesitation. These are our flag plants, baby. Kicking things off here. Keegan, tell us about the guy that you are drafting no matter what in fantasy football in 2023. Oh, man. This one feels kind of like an easy one for me, but I'm here to talk to you about Mike Williams. Um, there is tons Mike. Of, there is a ton of people who will hesitate to draft Mike Williams just because of injury history, and some people don't view him as the true wide receiver one on their team. Um, but I'm here to build the case for Mike Williams. Finished with 91 targets in 13 games, good for seven a game. It's about 119 target pace on a 17-game schedule. 17% target share, 2.07 yards per route run. Mike Williams is definitely the out wide deep threat for this team here. 84.5% of his routes came from out wide, only 15% in the slot. Whereas Keenan Allen ran 66% of his routes from the slot. And he kind of, to me, factors in as like the possession receiver who is just going to get like low value targets compared to Mike Williams, when I'm trying to project the guy that's going to come out on top in this new offense and have the highest upside and the most potential, I want the guy who's going to be catching the deep balls, who's going to be catching touchdowns, who's going to have the most yards per game. Like we just talked about our tiers and sure, Keenan Allen, I think is a very safe draft pick, but that's seven targets, 67 yards a game, maybe not a touchdown here and there. Like, sure, that's 11, 12 points, but I want the guy who could potentially get me 25 points a game. You know, I want the guy who could potentially give me a 30 bomb a game. And that range of outcomes is in Mike Williams' potential. And I don't believe it's an aging 31-year-old Keenan Allen's potential either. I feel like he's going to be exclusively playing in the slot this year, especially with the addition of QJ. So you'll have Mike and QJ on the outside. I also think this Chargers team just like projects to pass a ton more and have a better ADOC for Herber now they've got Kellen Moore in town. Um, and also, you know, same for argument can be made for Keenan, but Mike Williams has a great quarterback situation, right? Like in 2022, they ranked second in catchable targets per game. And in 2021, they ranked second in catchable targets per game. And they also have an insane volume of passing. So sure, his target share numbers at basically 17% might not sound like super intriguing to some people compared to others like say a DJ Moore or Drake London who are in that 24-25%. But their pure volume of passing is going to be so much greater than those other teams. So you have to factor that in. Over the last two seasons, Herbert's thrown 1,371 passes total. That's good for 40 a game, trailing only Brady in that same time period. So the passing volume's there, and you get Kellen Moore, who's going to push the ball down the field. Last year, only 8.7% of Herbert's throws traveled 20 or more yards in the air. Fourth lowest among QBs. And his ADOT, we talked about it before, 6.7 yards. And for reference... Dax was 8.5 under Kellen Moore last year. So new offensive scheme, Kellen Moore, who is going to probably lead them in neutral pass rate or maybe be a close second behind the Vikings. So more throwing past the sticks, more deep balls, more opportunities for Mike Williams to make splash plays. Mike Williams is my flag plant in this Chargers offense 
which I think will be one of the best in the NFL. What's uh, Mike Williams' ADP again? On Sleeper, his ADP is wide receiver 27 and half PPR. Overall, 66th player off the board. So wide receiver 27 and half PPR. I think that's a pretty good price to buy Mike Dub at. And Aiden and I have kind of been out on Mike Williams on this podcast, especially in Dynasty. However, there have been some reports that Mike Williams is going to run out of the slot more. Very intriguing. We love the high A dot, but we need more layup targets for, for Mike Williams. We need to make it easier for him to get PPR points, and you can do that easily in the slot. The Kellen Moore narrative is getting pretty off the rails a little bit. I think it's very true it'll be an upgrade, but Herbert had such a low A dot too because he broke his ribs. His offensive line was incredibly injured, and his receivers were always out. It was just easier for him to check it down to Austin Eckler. So I think I like this as where Mike Williams is a cost-effective way to get a stud in a really good offense that could be ascending with a new offensive coordinator. I think in, at ADP, this is a, a pretty good play, honestly, Keegan. However, Mike Williams, often injured, can be pretty inconsistent, and that can kind of drive fantasy managers crazy in redraft. But maybe he can be more consistent in Kellen Moore's offense. Aiden, what do you think? I don't want to like be on like the total opposite end of Keegan all episode here, but Mike Williams is really not a redraft target of mine. I like him in best ball. Just, it's one of the most volatile fantasy assets you can own. In my opinion, he had four games under 20 yards, four games over 100 yards, and then missed another four games in between there. So it's like the range of outcomes with Mike Williams are an absolute roller coaster. And at price, it's not the most expensive asset, but slotting him in your lineup and not knowing are you going to get sub five points or 20 plus, 25 plus is an absolute headache. So I personally lean Keenan Allen especially if you're playing in PPR leagues. He's going to get far more targets. Yards will depend week to week, but I just think your floor is a lot safer. And I think we're also just discounting Quentin Johnston too. He's going to play a lot and play a lot early. So now there's even more mouths to feed. So I don't know. Mike Williams just isn't a guy that I personally love. Um, At price, it's not like the riskiest move. I'll probably get some of him. But like in terms of like a flag point for me, like, I want a guy that, like, if he's there, I'm pretty much taking him every time. Um, this would be like a flip a coin type thing if he's there for me. It's not – I'm not sprinting up to the draft board, but he'll likely make my way some rosters. I love you taking a, a a kind of high-variance player as your flag plant. That's the kind of stuff that gets me up out of bed, Keegan. So I appreciate you putting your neck on the line here. And uh, at some point, you and Aiden will make up on this episode. The uh, the Saints so. rift alone. We is, are is good friends. We are good friends. I I I just have a smaller appetite for risk, and I think the listeners have picked that up. Um, okay, Keegan's okay. a bit okay. He's a bit riskier, and I like that. Uh, Aiden's whole entire investment portfolio is just uh, CDs at like a two percent interest rate. That's uh, how Aiden <laughs> likes to get down. For uh, for my flag uh, plant here, Aiden guessed it almost immediately with my flag plant, and um, I'll see if the listeners who follow along can guess who it's going to be. But what if I told you? that you could draft the wide receiver with the most receptions through the first two years of his career, who has virtually zero competition for targets in an offense that has the second best offensive line in football with the sixth highest implied team point total in the middle of the second round. Aiden, you'd say gimme gimme, right? 
gimme, gimme, 100%, don't look back, put in the bag, sprint. Yes, and the man that we are sprinting to draft, the man behind the mask, would be none other than Amon Ross St. Brown. I am as uh, chalk as chalk can be picking the sun gone here is my flag plan in 2023, but I don't know how I couldn't be because in 2022, Amon Ross St. Brown, here is where he ranked minimum 50 targets. He was second in targets per route run. He was 10th in target percentage. He was 7th in total targets with multiple games affected by injuries. He was 6th in total receptions. He was 7th in yards per route run. And he was 10th in missed tackles forced. You would have not guessed that the power slot from the Detroit Lions would be shifty in making guys miss, but he was. In 2023, he remains virtually unchallenged for targets, competing against a rookie tight end, a rookie running back, Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, and he won't see his next real main competition showing up in Jamison Williams until week seven. And we don't even know if Jamison Williams is good. This guy just seems like a hot mess in training camp. That's the first six weeks competing against that hodgepodge of group of players in what should be a high-octane offense. And the best part about the Detroit Lions and Amon Ross St. Brown is that Jared Goff is a unique quarterback who doesn't like to throw the ball deep. Amon Ross St. Brown is a wide receiver who does not excel on deep shots. He wins in the exact area of the fields that Jared Goff excels at. And the Lions play indoors. The Lions are a dome team. Amon Ross St. Brown might be the captain of the dome bros, him and Justin Jefferson. And the Lions play in virtual shootout and shootout environments with a bad defense playing in a dome. The offense runs through the sun god. I think he is a dark horse favorite to lead the NFL in receptions and in receiving yards this season. He is currently the 17th player off the board on Sleeper right now, and he is my favorite pick in the entire second round. How are we feeling about Amon Ra? Do you feel good about where he is now in the tier? Keegan, did I sell you? Are you on move? No, I mean, I I love Amon Ra. I, I definitely think that everything you said is super valid too. Like, it's just he's definitely an alpha in an offense with Jared Goff that's going to pass a ton. So I've got no quarrels, no arguments against Amon Ra. Like, I'd love to draft him. You know, I'm a big fan. But would you have him in the tier with Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and AJ Brown? Would I, you put him there, Keegan, or no? Did I not I, sell you? I. It's just so hard. I mean, you're talking about Devontae Adams like, and Stephon Diggs here. And I, I think there's more there's more to be had with those two specifically. Like, Maybe him and A.J. Brown are closer than I'd like to admit, but I still think Amon Ross St. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson, and Jalen Waddell are closer than A.J., Devontae, and Stephon Diggs. But that's just a personal thing. Are you moved, Aiden? Are I you am ready moved. to draft him? I am, I am moved. As you know, I am as big of a fan of the Sun God as, as pretty much anyone out there. I would like to know, do we officially have our Dome Bro captain? Is is he leading us into the 2023 season as our Dome Bro captain? I think Justin Jefferson might be the Dome Bro captain. Um, okay. He might be Mr. Dome Bro, considering that he plays in a dome. But, all I mean, right. Amon Ra's on the all-dome team, for sure. Yeah, maybe, He's wide receiver, like, too, se- on the all-dome squad. Yeah, like second in command, maybe. Um, I love ARSB. It just feels like there are no barriers to, like, 10-plus targets a game. Even when James Williams comes back, it's like, He's having an awful offseason as is. He's punching people. He's dropping balls. It's like he's like he's having an awful summer to start with. So like 
I'm not really concerned at all about his return. Uh, I think Laporta's going to get some good touches. You got Mims there now, two in the fold. But he's just going to be an absolute target bully. If they can even give him a bit more sprinkling, like with some more vertical routes too, like it could unlock another part of his game that we really haven't seen. Maybe if it's just like some double moves, just like some way to you know chew off something a bit deeper. I love ARSB. It's it's a super safe pick for me personally, especially in PPR leagues. It's it's a cheat code. Yes, yes, and he was tackled at the one yard line like eight times last year, so he should have some positive TD TD regression. I am all in on the sun god. Aiden, tell us the guy that uh, you're uh, drafting no matter what. No bias, right? No no bias on the guy that you're drafting no matter what. You can't get hurt with this one, right? No, I can't. I'm not always biased. Like, for all my tiers, for all of our, like, <laughs> divisional you just like, predictions. players. <laughs> no, no, but I didn't even give them meat. So this one's different. So this one's different. So this one, I decided I'm going to treat myself. I've been good. I've, I, I haven't done it this far this much i'm going dj Moore. um dj Moore at adp this year just is an absolute slam dunk just for reference so he's currently going as wide receiver 23 in ppr and sleeper uh last year that was cup so i'm kind of just uh, removed him for reference just for some of these like uh finishes and projections funny enough last year's wide receiver 24 was dj Moore, who finished with 63 catches 888 yards and seven touchdowns uh, the yards and catches were both career lows since his rookie years. So the touchdown uptick was his career high, which is only at seven. But if you're going to tell me that those numbers aren't feasible this year as the clear-cut number one wide receiver in the Bears offense, I'd call you crazy. I think at ADP, he's absolutely going to smash that and has top 20 or top 15 potential given the volume that I expect him to get. And I know everyone's everyone keeps coming back to it that the Bears aren't going to pass a ton. It's like their offensive line is bolstered. The weapons are better. Like they're going to regress to the mean positively, similar to how Philly did last year. And they're going to pass a ton more, which I think bodes super well for him. Just taking it one step farther, he's got a really favorable schedule, got a lot of dome bro matchups. The NFC North doesn't have very good defenses to start with. So you've got six games no. against the Vikings and Lions who are trash. The Packers have a pretty league average defense. I don't think it really got better. And then you've got the NFC South as well. So that's pretty much half of their schedule against some pretty forgettable defenses. I just think everything is lining up for DJ Moore to absolutely smash at ADP. It's just a very safe pick at, at wide receiver 23. What he's probably your wide receiver two or three on your squad, depending on how you build out your team. I just think there's no way he doesn't hit at ADP or you know, go above that by at least half a dozen. So it's absolutely biased on it, but just like <laughs> it's everything is leading biased. It's so biased, um, but there, it's ridiculously biased. There's too many things that lead us to believe that like it's going to happen. So we'll see. I'm a DJ more truther through and through. I've been drafting him every year. He won me a championship DJ. last year. Like he saved yeah, his best for last we in the final that. week. So toasted we Sean. In the semis on that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just like, dude, DJ Moore's my dog, and it feels like he's finally got a QB and like a situation where he's going to overperform his ADP instead of pretty much just finishing at it like he's done for the last four years. Keegan, bear case against DJ Moore. Is it just volume, Justin Fields question marks, bad offensive line? Is that just kind of the bread and butter there? I think he's probably projected about where he'll finish. Like, wide receiver 23 feels pretty safe. Uh, 
and I think there's a range of outcomes to sneak into a top 20 wide receiver, but you just need so much to go right for the Bears and DJ Moore, like for it all to be pieced together for him to be like a top 12 wide receiver. Um, so I I want some DJ Moore shares this year. I want a part of Justin Fields, but I think the Bears are kind of a team where I'm like, oh, why not just take Justin Fields instead? And expose myself to the offense that way. Um, pause. Hey, oh, <laughs> pause to the offense. To the offense. <laughs> to the offense. <laughs> pause. It's the safest route into that offense. It's it's the safest route. And I don't have anything against DJ Moore. It's just like he would have to. I mean, he would have to go off. You know, for ten him. TDs. It's the touchdowns. DJ Moore has got to finally get in the end zone. He's got to run into some positive touchdown regression. He's got to score. It, they need he needs yards too. I mean, like to put him, even if he had eight touchdowns, like he still needs to be in that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like Tyreek Hill territory. He's gonna need like 120 like, targets or so, like probably like 120 targets plus to I mean, smash. ADP. The top the top receivers, you're all gonna finish with like 13, 1400 yards, like close to 10 touchdowns, over 100 receptions. Like that is. That's a lot to ask of his first year um, in his relationship with Justin Fields. So not against him, but just saying his top 12 case is, is steep. Steep. <laughs> I, uh, I'm here for it. I get it. It's risky. It's, uh, it's a pick that really could just hurt you because he is a bear. And uh, it's a care. lot of hope. It's a lot of hope. But, yeah, I love it. Go where your heart tells you to go. <laughs> All I know is pain. Um, Let's do it one more year. Keegan. Tell us who you are fading in 2023 at wide receiver. Yes, similar to uh, my running back fade. I'm taking another Colt here. This probably feels like the offense I'm just going to fade and redraft, but I'm, I'm out on Michael Pittman this year, which probably isn't saying much to the average listener, right? Like his current ADP on sleeper is 28, 67th overall. So I'm not like making some big fade here. I just feel like there's some guys in that range that I'd rather have. Um, instead of Michael Pittman. Um, and you know what? Last year, he was eighth in targets with 141, 24.6% target share, eighth in receptions in the NFL with 99. You would you would hear that, and you'd be like, well, that's great, right? Volume that projects to be like highly productive fantasy player. Well, no, not necessarily. He was 24th in total yards with that many receptions and targets. He only had 925. He only had 9.34 yards per route which was 113th in the NFL of wide receivers with at least four games played and 150 routes run. Um, 1.55 yards per route run. Only had 6.56 yards per target, 101st in the league. Like He just wasn't efficient, and he wasn't in a very good offense last year. Um, and, you know, he actually is, I think, a good receiver, but his offense – while maybe Anthony Richardson is a better stable quarterback than Matt Ryan, Sam Erlinger, and all the shit that they went through last year, the case for a rookie quarterback in this Steichen offense, like supporting a true wide receiver one or potential wide receiver two in fantasy seems like a very hard case for me to build out. So, you know, let's just look at 2021. Um, Shane Steichen, that is the Eagles, like first year with Hurts kind of at the helm. He played 15 games. That's also Devonta Smith's rookie year. Um, so Hertz finishes with 432 pass attempts, and he completed 265 of those. Um, he had 3,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, 7.3 yards per attempt. But he also rushed for 784 yards, 
on 139 attempts in the 15 games he played. Uh, Devontae Smith didn't have a bad year, but he only finished with 64 receptions on 104 targets, 916 yards, and 14.3 yards per reception with five touchdowns, which is pretty good. But it was actually only good for wide receiver 30 in standard scoring and wide receiver 29 in PBR scoring. So you're looking at that ADP for Pittman, and you're like, well, maybe he's just being drafted exactly where he'll finish. But you can tell from my argument for Mike Williams, that's not what I want to be drafting for. I don't want to draft someone who's going to finish exactly where I drafted them or what I drafted them at. Um, also, that 2021 Eagles offense was 28th in dropbacks. They only dropped back 579 times that year, and they were dead last in pass attempts with 494. When I look at that's all tough, yeah, that's that's tough. Like <laughs> it's the you built a pretty compelling case against my like, enough. He's already I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, stop the count, man. Okay, hold on, real he's, quick, he's real quick, out. real quick. You don't have to do this. And so to compare last year, <laughs> he has a family, bro. Dude, to compare last year, the Colts were eighth in pass attempts under Matt Ryan in that offense. They had 604 pass attempts last year, and oh, they were eighth in so completions. And they were 20th in total yards passing, like just not efficient. So to expect, you know, Anthony Richardson to come in and compete or have a comparable season to second year Hertz, who I think personally was a better passer at the college level than Anthony Richardson. He had more games, by far. more experience than Anthony Richardson. To ask Richardson to come in and replicate even that season that Hertz had in 2021 is like it's asking a ton. You know, that's gonna be a lot of RPO, a lot of Anthony Richardson rush attempts. I, I don't see an upside case for Michael Pittman. I feel like he's being drafted where he's finishing, and that's his ceiling, you know, not his average outcome. Like, I think wide receiver 28 might be his ceiling this year, and I just don't want a player like that. He's really good, though. Like, I, we, I we talk about Matt Harmon's reception, <laughs> perception, like 79, 79th percentile success rate against man, 86th percentile success rate against zone, 95th percentile success rate against press if anthony richardson's decent and they pass it enough i could see Pittman being a top 24 weekly play but yeah it's like kind of a low ceiling low floor player right now if richardson isn't that good of a passer so it's tough you made a pretty compelling case to fade Pittman. um the guy i'm fading as a wide receiver in 2023 he was probably one of the best draft picks in all of fantasy football last year. He is coming off the best year of his career. He finished as the wide receiver 19 in points per game, and he averaged 14.5 fantasy points per game last season. I'm out on Amari Cooper. Now, this is nothing personal. I think Cooper is a good player, <laughs> and I think he'll be fine in fantasy this season. But I think he benefited greatly from being the clear-cut top option in an efficient passing attack. But when you dive deeper into the numbers, things got pretty bleak for Cooper when the Browns made the switch to Deshaun Watson. So with Jacoby Brissett, Amari Cooper averaged 16.1 fantasy points per game and was the wide receiver 13. With Deshaun Watson, he averaged 11.6 fantasy points per game and was the wide receiver 38. With Watson, he had four finishes outside of the top 44 wide receivers. Four finishes outside of the top 44 with Deshaun Watson. That's insane. I don't want to overreact too much because the entire Browns offense took a dick when Deshaun Watson came in. Obviously, there was a lot of rust because he's, you know, was a sexual deviant and didn't play football for close to two seasons. <laughs> Again, sexual Man. deviant. Um, yeah, a lot of rust. A lot of oh rust for Watson. 
He played in some bad weather games. So, you know, you can build the case that you can write off that five-game sample. It's a small sample. But I'm sorry, like, we're assuming the Browns' offense is going to be quite good. Really smart people think they're going to be quite good. But I have a little hesitation. I think there should be a little bit more question marks with Amari Cooper. And on top of that, the Browns brought in Elijah Moore. They drafted Cedric Tillman. And they already have David Njoku and a fan favorite of the podcast, Donovan Peoples-Jones, DPJ which has made this pass attack suddenly pretty competitive. Amari Cooper wasn't competing with anyone outside of David Njoku last year for targets, and now he's competing against a pretty legit receiving core. I think Amari Cooper belongs in the same tier as DJ Moore, Drake London, Jerry Judy, and Terry Terry McLaurin. Clear studs, but with clear question marks at quarterback and offense. He's currently going in front of Calvin Ridley, Justin Fields, TJ Hawkinson, and Justin Herbert, and I would draft all of those guys in front of Amari Cooper in a heartbeat. So this is more of a question mark ADP fade than it is fade the player, because I think he really did have a good year last year, but I just don't find myself drafting a lot of Amari Cooper. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. It's 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 the at ADP thing that I, I don't think like we can kind of stress enough on Amari Cooper. It was like he was very good last year, and there's a world where he's very good again this year, but that offense is such a question mark, and it feels like a lot of us do think they are going to rebound and be a much more competent offense to Sean's gonna look a lot more like the Texans Watson we know but yeah at that place you know I may be thinking about taking one of those top three quarterbacks if they're still there maybe thinking about a different receiver even some of those running backs there like I I just think at that point right around that you know 40 overall mark I'm I don't know I'm just not in love with it I don't know how to treat Cooper if you do believe that the offense is going to be much better this year and improve then like there's cheaper Elijah pieces. Moore. Elijah Moore could be a huge bounce back candidate. Elijah Moore. Right? So In the ninth, eighth, ninth round. Eighth, ninth round, really talented guy. That's the thing. It's like it's more competitive, and we don't know if the offense is going to be good. And, they, yeah, Keegan, I think you nailed it. There are cheaper ways to invest in the Browns' offense that just won't absolutely face plant you. I, whoever figures out the Browns' offense is going to win fantasy leagues. If you fade them, you're going to probably do well if they're bad. If you lean into them and they're really good, it's going to be very positive for you. I know it's obvious, but that's a team you should be trying to figure out and have an opinion on because I think it will make you a better fantasy player in 2023. Before we get out of here, Aiden, who is the wide receiver you are fading? We should actually end it. You don't get the you don't get to, fade <laughs> you don't get to choose this one. You don't get to do it. Not for the second time. Not for the second time on this podcast. So I know we've already sold him in Dynasty. I think it was me and Keegan collectively <laughs> sold him in Dynasty. And now I'm and fading him in redraft. It's just so the guy that we're going here to wrap up the show is Devo Samuel. And again, this is another one kind of piggybacking off of Sean. Like, this is just a big ad ADP thing for me. Um, he's currently going as the wide receiver 20 in Sleeper versus his counterpart, Brandon Ayuk, who's going as wide receiver 31, who is the receiver that I'll personally be targeting in that offense. Granted, Debo did miss, I think it was three or four games last year. These were their stats. I'm going to start with, uh, it's Ayuk first and Debo, just so you guys follow along here. Targets were 114 versus 94. Receptions were 78 versus 56. Receiving yards were 1,015 to 632. If you add in his rushing, that was 864 all-purpose. Receiving tutties were eight versus two. Again, up to five if you add in rushing. It just feels like these are two guys that are trending in the opposite directions is kind of the way I see it. And I'd rather have the younger guy trending up in the right direction in Brandon Ayuk. In my opinion, I think a full offseason for Christian McCaffrey only kind of 
hurts he's kind of i wouldn't call him a gadget player because that's not what he is but i don't think there's as much of a need for them to play him all around the field like he had previously done in this offense on top of that san francisco was 27th last year in passing attempts per game which likely isn't going to change that defense is as good or better as last year and we don't know who's playing quarterback and it's august 1st so they're likely not going to be a pass happy offense it just doesn't make a ton of sense if you look at all the pieces that are kind of in place here so i don't know it's I like Devo Samuel. It's one of the guys that I just love watch. Like I love watching him play football. It's an absolutely electric guy to watch play football. But in terms of fantasy, it's just it's not someone at that price that I'm going to really be targeting. It it feels too expensive, and in my opinion, he's trending in the wrong direction. I don't care how many shirtless picks he sent to Kyle Shanahan this summer. He's in the best shape of his life. Um, I'm fading Debo, and it and it hurts me to say. Wild man, you're a wild. Twenty five percent. 25% target share with Brock Purdy whenever that he was healthy. Uh, again, we've, we've brought this up. It's zone versus man. It's crowded offense. If it's not Trey, if it's not Brock Purdy who plays the majority of these games, you might be on to something. It may be a different kind of offense with Trey Lance or potentially Sam Darnold. Um, it's just a tough one. It's probably an easy offense to just say, I don't have an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Best of he, luck. I like Ayuk. He, He's a stud, you know. I'm kind of just okay getting burned, like, if I'm wrong here. Like, he burned me last year, and I see a potential similar outcome in terms of his fantasy output, and it's like, it's, More it's kind bias. of... bias. He burned you last year. We should have known. We should have He burned me he last, year. last year. I, And I'm just not going to get burned again. It's someone I'm okay with just not touching. It's like, I'm just not doing it again. Okay. You're just not doing it. Keegan, not are you out it. on Debo? Are we we're basically fading everyone in this tier? Pretty much, it feels like. Like I just the tier <laughs> yeah. the tier six the Cooper. I know I didn't spoil Debo it. Debo Samuel. Um, I I just Keenan Allen. I'm pretty good off that tier, to be honest. They're easy fades. I'm just I'll take a quarterback. I'll take a quarterback. Exactly. I'm good. I'm good. Quarterback fourth or fifth round. Keegan, before we get out of here, anything you have to say for the listeners? Mm, man i don't know i got nothing today i really have nothing what do you love unfrosted pop tarts no the 101 of pop tarts oh my god that's today's fun fact about me today i think it's the you best pop tart thomas would play you said michael thomas played 14 games and that that was the least craziest thing you said on this podcast after unfrosted pop i'm gonna go have one right now that's the 101 oh, wow. of pop tart flavors I'm gonna need a whole mess of those. That you must crazy. need so much water. They've got to be so dry. That's just not how it works. <laughs> you guys probably eat sprinkles in your shakes too, huh? You like that that sugar no, icing I just in like there? The cinnamon. I like the brown sugar. Brown sugar pop tarts are undefeated. And sprinkle brown both. sugar toasted sprinkle too. Yeah. Brown sugar toasted or one one toasted all. Oh. Gimme gimme. Oh, gimme gimme. Okay. I need a pop tart now. All right, everybody. Until next time.